0: Hi, I'm Jay John. Welcome to the Just Ten series here in London. We're looking at God's Ten Commandments, and we are going to focus on the seventh commandment: Do not commit adultery. And the title is How to Affairproof Our Relationships. Some people think that the seventh commandment reads do not admit adultery (laughs) adultery can vary from the casual fling to the intense affair of which films and novels are made the greatest source of sex miseducation is on television very rarely on tv or in films, are lovers, husband and wife in a marriage relationship. In many films, there is a constant parade of seduction and suggestive sexual encounters and the image makers surround it with music, sumptuous settings, and it's made to appear very romantic and exciting, but they brush away the deceit, the betrayal and the ugliness. Sex outside marriage is like pulling bricks out from the base of a wall and then the wall comes tumbling down. And King David in the Bible is a classic example of this. What did he do? He lusted after Bathsheba and his adultery led him to scheme, to lie, to plot and murder Bathsheba's husband. David's little indiscretion turned out to have major repercussions. I've never met anyone who has committed adultery and not lived to regret it. Adultery, even when forgiven, leaves a scar. Adultery hurts, it shatters trust and it severs friendship. You see, marriage is about giving. Adultery is about taking. Adultery denies love. It degrades people. It destroys families. It defiles marriage. And it defies God. The seventh commandment reads... Do not commit adultery. God says no to adultery because adultery is a sin against marriage. Jesus said in Matthew 19 verse four, God made the male and female. A man leaves his father and mother and he's joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, Let no one separate them, for God has joined them together. You see, adultery breaks into the unity that two people have in marriage. Sex is very powerful, and unless it is kept within marriage, it can explode in destructive ways. And the world is littered with people hurt by the shrapnel of sexual explosions. Now you may be thinking, this commandment isn't relevant to me and you're like relieved tonight, aren't you? Because it's like, you may have had a problem with a bit of contentment, you know, you wanted, you want some stuff, you know, you may have had a little problem with lying, maybe had a little problem with stealing and you're feeling good tonight, aren't you? You're like, oh great, I've passed one, isn't it? You know, it's like there's 10, oh I've passed tonight. So all those of you that are thinking that, I'd just like to read you something that Jesus said. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Matthew 5, verse 27 to 29. Does anyone now feel left out? (laughs) Don't want to leave anyone out, yeah? Anyone feel left out? You see, Jesus said, where there is adulterous desire, it is sin. Do you take a second look? Hmm? Do you take a second look? A married couple were in a shop and while the wife was looking at an item, a very attractive woman walked by. The husband's eyes followed the attractive woman. The wife, without even looking up, said to her husband, was it worth the trouble that you're now in? (laughs) You see, adultery plays itself out on the stage of the imagination, long before it occurs in real life. You see, I mean, Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. I mean, it didn't mean it literally. <laughs> you know, if, if this is the bad eye, you don't gouge this eye out, because you can still look through that one, can't you? <laughs> you know, see, it wasn't literally. You see, what Jesus was saying was, take drastic action. The problem is not the eye but the heart, and Jesus urges us to deal decisively and severely. So, you know, don't pluck out your eye, but cancel your adult channel on television. Don't cut off your hand, but block pornography on your computer. That's what he's saying. Take drastic action. Now to those of you who have committed adultery and some of you here have and some of you here are actually committing adultery now. If you have committed adultery, you and your partner may need to see a counsellor. This is painful but it needs to be done in the context of forgiveness and healing. If you are committing adultery now, end the relationship now. Not when I finish speaking, now. Make a decision in your mind and in your heart that you will end it now. No more conversations, no more phone calls, no more meetings. If you have committed adultery, There is a prayer in the Bible, Psalm 51. And it is a psalm of confession from King David after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And David prays this, create in me a clean heart, O God, wash me thoroughly from my sin, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And the words that he used in his prayer express a thorough scrubbing. He's like saying, scrub me clean, wash me clean, wipe this dirt from me. David is saying, I've got myself really dirty and I've been messing with things that I shouldn't have been doing. And the great thing about that prayer that David prayed, God answered the prayer. That's why there is good news and there is hope for us all. Listen to Jesus' words to a woman caught in adultery. From John 8, verse 4. Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? All right, stone her. But let those who have never sinned throw the first stone. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, this talk is entitled, How to Affair Proof Our relationships so let's be practical how do we maintain the interest over the years I'm going to give you a number of principles principle one respect what's principle one respect love is built on the foundation of mutual respect and the Bible says in Ephesians 5 every husband must love his wife as himself and every wife must respect her husband. There is no such thing as a perfect marriage for the simple reason that every marriage is a union of two imperfect people. Did you know that you can bury a marriage with a lot of little digs? Just a little dig, and a little dig, and a little dig, and a little dig. You know, do 10 years of those and you'll bury your marriage. Husbands, don't criticise your wife's judgement. Always remember who she chose to marry. (laughs) A happy marriage is not about how compatible you are, but how you deal with your incompatibility. The four hardest statements to make in marriage are, I was wrong, I'm sorry, I don't know, I need help. They're the four hardest statements to make in marriage. And I urge you to use those four statements with each other as they will build honesty in your marriage. There was a lecture that was advertised, how to make your wife treat you like a king. And obviously, the lecture theatre was filled with men who wanted to know the answer to this profound question. And the speaker was introduced and said, obviously, gentlemen, you want to know the answer to this very profound question. How to make your wife treat you like a king? And the answer is very, very simple. Just treat her like a queen. Number one. Number two, responsibility. Number two, responsibility. Be responsible. Be more interested in fixing the problem than fixing the blame. So much time and energy is wasted confronting each other rather than dealing with the problem. Listen to this verse from the Bible, Philippians 2, verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, you know, if we followed that verse, if we followed that principle, we would have more stable relationships. Just following that principle, the attitude of Christ, the major problem in many relationships, marriages, is selfishness. What's in this for me? But the trouble with so many people who stand up for their rights is that they fall down miserably on their responsibilities. Number one, respect. Number two, responsibility. Take responsibility. Number three, romance. Number three? Romance. If there was more courting in marriage there would be fewer marriages in court. (laughs) You know, do you remember how tender and how kind we were when we were on a date? When we began dating, we anticipated dating. Exciting. You know, that's how it should be in marriage. The Bible says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Proverbs 5. You know, it was fun when we dated. Marriage should be fun. You know, there's a book in the Bible and it's a, it's a whole manual on romantic love. Song of Solomon. Respect. Responsibility. Romance. And fourthly, resolve. Fourthly, resolve. A wedding couple bride and groom what they did in their wedding service symbolism to express a conviction they had they they both lit a candle each and with those candles they went and lit a big candle and blew out their candles to say no more old flames trying times are not the times to stop trying. In a marriage, it is important to treat all disasters as incidents and none of the incidents as disasters. Now, of course, I am not suggesting that our marriages will never run into problems or have to endure storms. But the kind of commitment God is talking about means when we hit a difficulty in our marriages, we make a decision to face it and carry on together. Leonardo da Vinci wrote this, an arch consists of two weaknesses which leaning against one another make us strength. Respect, responsibility, romance, resolve. The starting point is to admit we need God. We need his help because he created us. He created marriage. Now, some of you need restoration because things in your lives and marriages are broken and they do need to be restored. And I want to conclude by saying this. Whether you are married, divorced, widowed, Or single. You are being proposed to. In fact, every page of the Bible is a proposal to you. Jesus is proposing to you an invitation to be adopted into his family as a son and as a daughter. The phrase, God is love, What does that mean? That means God wants what is best for you. God wants what is is best for you. Whether you're widowed, single, divorced or married, he wants what is best for you. God doesn't show he loves us by sending a poem or dropping a bunch of red roses on our doorstep. But as the Bible says in Romans 5 verse eight, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He shows he cares, not by a poem, but through cries of agony and excruciating pain. It's not champagne he drinks, but bitter wine. He doesn't bear roses in his arms, but a crown of thorns on his head. He doesn't bathe us in fine smelling perfume, but he does save us through sweat and blood. God's proposal was nailed to a cross and he did it for you And he did it for me that is true love that is true love and we we all need to know that love and that we're loved the way to resist the temptation to infidelity is to root our single life or our marriage in the rich soil of God's love how do we respond to this teaching and this commandment well let me put some questions to you first have you accepted God's proposal to be in relationship with him that's the first question do you know his love Do you know that you're a son and a daughter? Do you know that you're in his family? If you don't know that or you're not sure, you can know that. But we've got to be practical. Are you in an adulterous relationship? Will you end the relationship? In Psalm 32, David records how he felt during the time he tried to cover up his adultery. And he said this, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. He groaned all day long because he wasn't willing to confess it. Psalm 32, verse three. And for about a year, he tried to live with a guilty conscience. If David had admitted his adultery, and repented straight away, the subsequent lies and the murder of Bathsheba's husband would have been avoided. Don't make matters worse. Confession is better than cover up. Repentance now is better than revelations later. Do you need God's forgiveness and healing for inappropriate relationships? Do you need his forgiveness? And you may not have committed adultery, but but you were playing on the edges. You know, I, I find... I've, I've heard sometimes people say, you know, uh, uh, I meet a wife, and in conversation, she'll say that her best friend is another man, not her husband. It's like, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. Or the man might say that his best friend is another woman. Uh, uh, excuse me? What, what did you say? Uh, I mean, the inappropriate relationship can be on many different levels. There can be an emotional one, and it's totally inappropriate, and we're condoning it and trying and making it fit into our life and lifestyle. Listen, if you're playing with something like that, you're playing with fire. Do you need God's forgiveness? Do you need God's healing for anything that's inappropriate? Listen, you, you don't have to dig deep into your head and heart every time I ask a question. You'll know it's there. Yeah? Every time I ask a question, if there's anything there, it'll pop up, okay? It'll pop up. So you don't have to, oh, I haven't got anything there. You don't have to keep digging. I'm telling you, it'll just pop up there. So if, if it came to your mind, then it's inappropriate. Why don't you just come in a few minutes, stand here and say, yes, I want, to, I want to be freed from these inappropriate relationships. Do you have addictions to pornography that need breaking? Listen, if you do, just come out here tonight. Just come out here tonight and, and begin the process of freedom and healing tonight. Don't leave here. Does your marriage need reviving? If you think it does, maybe you're here with your husband or wife. Well, if that's true, grab their hand and say, let's just go and make, begin again. Whatever it is, take a step forward to reviving our marriage. Are you struggling with being single? A single parent? Or widowed, well, come and allow us to pray with you and over you to experience the perfect love of Christ. And for you and those of you that are joining us, why don't you say yes to Jesus? Why don't you repent? Why don't you receive Christ? Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I truly want to repent. I truly want to be set free from all the wrong that I have ever done in thought, in word and deed. And I'm so grateful, Jesus, that your blood shed for me on the cross can cleanse my life. I receive you today, Jesus, into my life. Come in by your Holy Spirit. I want to be your child. I want to follow you, help me from this day on to validate my faith in you, in thought and word and deed. Thank you Jesus for hearing my prayer, amen. Just 10 by J. John, relaunched and reimagined. Just 10 is a 10-session series to explain the 10 commandments and their relevance today. With free video resources for churches and small groups and a re-released book to help you go deeper. Take time to unpack how each of us can live by these timeless principles today. Visit just10.org to find out more.